I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Have you ever been overwhelmed when looking at what's going on in the world, watching the news? It's really easy to do. Uh, this this last several weeks, last couple of months, it seems that every every week that we come together here, uh, we're still reeling from some tragedy, whether it be an earthquake or a hurricane or some other natural disaster, or whether it be human tragedy, like we experienced this last week with the mass shooting in Las Vegas, where 59 people lost their lives through the actions of apparently one man, uh, and and many hundreds more injured. And, and we look at the world, and we see wars and rumors of wars and destruction on a global scale. And our cry joins with the cry of the early church, that, that ancient word, Maranatha, our Lord, come. We, we know that Christ is coming again, and we see all of this going on and saying, surely, surely it's going to be soon. Surely God is going to come and redeem the whole world in a final way, soon. And yet, uh, these tragedies that we see with increasing uh, frequency in recent days, they've been happening for a long time. Maybe maybe not in, in the safety of our bubble, but somewhere around the world, these kinds of things have been happening to good people uh, for centuries and millennia. And so here we are watching the, the, the fruit of the fall invade our lives. And it can be overwhelming. Uh, and, and so, the, you know, I've been to some extent avoiding the news. I think that we have to, we have to acknowledge that we're a people who are in this world. We're not of it. We are, we are a people who are made and destined for heaven, for complete and total union with God. But for now, we are in this world. And yet, we can get so overwhelmed by this world that, that we become fixated on it, that we forget the eternal place that we're going. We forget the eternal consequences that are all around us. And so uh, we have to remember the words of Christ that said, don't worry about what you will eat or drink or wear or even about your life, right? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. We remember the words of Paul in the book of Philippians where he says, have no anxiety at all but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so we say, okay, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm, not, I'm, I'm going to offer it up in prayer. I'm not going to worry. But then we also remember, well, you know, but our faith is supposed to make a difference in the world. We're here for a purpose, right? We're here as we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so it's our job uh, in following Christ to help bring about his heavenly kingdom, not in a, not in a, um, a theocracy kind of a way, but, but simply, and not in a political kind of way, but simply bringing his kingdom to be manifest here on earth. And so we think, okay, I need to look at these situations that are going on around the world, and I need to apply the lens of Christ to them so that I can know how to appropriately respond. <clears throat> But at the same time, we need to remember uh, the order, right? Judea, Samaria, 
and then the uttermost parts of the earth. There is a localism to the kingdom of God. Uh, your influence, uh, your circle of influence, your place of dwelling is the place where you can most effectively bring the kingdom of God to earth. And we can get so weighed down by looking at the tragedies all around the world. And yes, when we have the occasion to help in those ways, whether it be to donate blood, whether it be to donate uh, specific material or financial means to, uh, to on-the-ground relief in these places, then by all means, you can do that. You can do that for, uh, for Puerto Rico or for Houston or for any number of other places, uh, Mexico, that have been devastated by natural disasters. But if we get so caught up in the 24-hour news cycle, bombarding us with all of the bad news of the day, then we are going to be completely spent out of anxiety, out of worry, out of really not knowing how to, uh, to affect the world on such a large scale. That's God's business, to affect the world on a large scale. Our business, and Mother Teresa talked about this, that people said, well, you can't help everyone. She's like, but I can help the one. Right? So who is the one? What is the one thing right now that's right in your circle of influence that you can make a difference on uh, by devoting your attention to it? whether it be fostering a child in the foster system, whether it be adoption, whether it be uh, simply going and, and donating your time to volunteer at a, a pregnancy resource center that helps people in unexpected pregnancies. These are the things that you can do that will bring the kingdom of heaven here on earth in a very simple and practical way. You know, we can get completely... Uh, we can lose sight of, of the difference we can make when we see the enormity of the problem. But if we take the time to look and fix our eyes on the single thing, on the single person, on the, the person who is right in front of us who needs Christ brought to them, then all of a sudden it becomes more manageable. Uh, I've been, the last couple of weeks, as I, I've been avoiding the news uh, because of the enormity of it. Uh, taking it in very small chunks. Because that 24-hour news cycle, man, it just bombards us with the same stories over and over, and then we just obsess about the single story. The news cycle used to be much slower, and so you could get a, a pretty complex picture of it, but maybe it was a little late. Or maybe, uh, you know, you got a small picture and then and then you weren't filled in for a while. And we can be so tempted by the technological advances that have been made uh, to just dive in and be all consumed by these things. And so I'm staying abreast of, of what's going on in the world, but I'm trying to back away from <clears throat> how uh, persistent it is, right? I'm not going to give all of my attention to the news. And so I've been really uh, meditating myself on that scripture uh, out of Colossians 3. And I think that this is uh, probably one of those verses that will have impact on me in my life for, for a long period of time. But it's that, that intro into uh, this section on godly living. And it's uh, out of Colossians 3. And we hear Paul say, if then you have been raised with Christ. Now, before we go further, there's a transition word there. If then, he's just now spent the previous chapter telling us you have been raised with Christ. And so now he's saying because of that, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, 
not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so the, the challenge for you and I is now to focus our attention on Christ, not even on how would Christ deal with this massive tragedy that's right in front of us, because we're still then focusing on that massive tragedy. Just fix our eyes on Christ, whether it be a time of meditation or going before the Blessed Sacrament like I did earlier today, uh, just spending time away from the cacophony of life and saying, Christ, pour into me your life. Let me fix my eyes on, on things that are above. And those things that are above are going to take effect as I fill my life with Christ. It's going to have an impact, not through any effort of my own, but through the graces of Christ that then are working through me. And so that's our challenge. That's your challenge with me this week. As the news comes in fast and furious, is to turn our attention away from the craziness of life and fix our eyes on heaven. Now today is the feast of Our Lady of the Rosary, uh, the memorial of Our Lady of the Rosary. And so this, this is an opportunity for us to take some time to step back and to focus on the life of Christ. Because that's what the rosary is, right? We've got these mysteries that are all about Christ. Even those last two that are talking about Mary, the Assumption and the Coronation, they are pointing to something specifically about Christ. Because in everything that we look at Mary for, we're looking to her to point us to some truth about Christ. And so here we have laid out for us in these 59 beads an opportunity to step back from the rest of the world and to meditate on the life of Christ, right? On his, on his birth and his life and his passion and his resurrection. And, and these are things that as we let ourselves meditate on him, it will impact our life. You know, one of the hardest things for me to realize about the rosary is that it's not about the actual Hail Marys, the, the repetition of the prayers. Uh, a friend of mine said to me, man, that's just to occupy the part of your mind that wanders, right? Because for me, I'll pick up the rosary and I'll start and I'll get three beads, three Hail Marys in, and then I'm thinking about what I need to do, a bill I have to pay or the laundry or something. And I get to the end of that bead because now it's just automatic. And I start saying that next Hail Mary and I'm like, oh, I move my finger to a new bead. I'm supposed to be meditating on what mystery was that? And now I go back to Christ. And so here, as we fix our eyes on Christ, on his life, his death, and his resurrection, and step back from the anxieties of the world, this is the place that we find peace. This is the place that we are filled. And this is the place where we can, starting from prayer, affect change in the world. We're going to continue our conversation about our relationship with the rosary and our relationship with Mary here in a moment as we talk with Steve, the missionary good friend of mine out of the California Bay Area. It's a conversation you're not going to want to miss. Go over to facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. Let's have this conversation. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and the implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Today, we're celebrating the Memorial of Our Lady of the Rosary. Uh, And as we do that, we have uh, a friend of mine on the show, Steve the Missionary. Uh, He is a Catholic YouTuber and a fellow blogger over on the Pathios Network. You can get to him over at youtube.com slash stevethemissionary. Twitter, it's just Steve Missionary because there wasn't enough room for the the. Uh, Facebook and uh, Pathios both, it's Steve the Missionary. Real easy to find him. And Steve, tell us, why are you Steve the Missionary? Uh, For a couple of reasons. I was Steve the Missionary when I started the channel and the and the uh, Twitter account because I was working for Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students, as a missionary on uh, college campuses. So that was my job title. And then when I left Focus to do other work, I decided to keep it anyway because at the end of the day, all Christians, and especially all confirmed Christians, are missionaries in our own right. Our whole life is mission. So... I guess you could start a channel called Tim the Missionary, and it would make just as much sense because you're you are a Christian, right? I could, but as a hipster, it seems like that's been been done, and I can't really uh, go on that territory, right? Oh, because you're over it already. I'm, <laughs> but 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 I can't really be a, a hipster because I'm too old. So uh, <laughs> true. But you, on the other hand, you're just right. You're right in there with your with your ironic old car. And uh, and much much more, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, 1989 is, is too old to be remotely trendy, so it's got to be ironic. <laughs> so uh, you are out in the Bay Area of California. We met recently face to face. Of course, we've known each other for a little while through Pathios, uh, and and uh-huh. broke bread over uh, at In and Out. So I think that that's like uh, I think in some countries we're officially you know blood brothers. Basically, basically. It's, we've, it's a- we we've shared we that's like sacramental right, not sacra- mm, not sacramento absolutely. California it's sacramental as in in and out, uh, you know it's I've, sacramental it's as good as a rosary or a, <laughs> I've had in and out I had in and out in Texas because they came out that way and I have to tell you it was yeah. not the same experience at all uh, really no I wasn't really a fan uh, until you know out there in the Bay Area it was much better in California than it ever was when I visited in in Texas. So, the, so there's always that. You have that. You still the have Texas employees are sabotaging us. That's what it is. We always have in and out, right? So, <laughs> uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, on your uh, on your Facebook, as I was, uh, as uh-huh. we, you basically issued a challenge to all of us uh, who are converts, like myself, to the faith, talking about uh, our mother, uh, Mary, the the, the mm. mother of the church, uh, and. You basically kind of did a throwdown of you may think you love Mary, but talk to us a little bit about where that came from uh, here on as we're as we're celebrating Our Lady of the Rosary. Uh, t- t- tell us tell us about where some of this jealousy comes from and uh, and what's behind it. Yeah, there's been a, a kind of a very annoying conversation happening in various corners of the Catholic internet about uh, and, and it, for some people it comes up to. Who's better, converts into the faith or cradle Catholics, people who grew up in the faith? And, which I think is a dumb question altogether. Uh, but in kind of thinking about it myself, I, you know, the converts that I know, I'm kind of jealous of um, the, their choice to follow the church, uh, that 
you know, that that was an active moment for them as opposed to uh, what, what I grew up with. I, I uh, am jealous of their prayer life. I'm often jealous of their, uh, uh, their zeal, um, their evangelical push are all things that I greatly admire about converts that I know in my life. But, uh, and I look at, is there anything that's an advantage that gives me kind of home field advantage or would it have just been better for all of us to be converts? And I thought about, uh, the Virgin Mary, uh, and how at the end of the day, and this is just my own bias and my own pride. I kind of trust you less if you're a convert and talking about Mary. Um, I should get over that, but it's, it's kind of a, it's an instinct that I have. And this is, this is why, uh, because I was not taught Mary in RTA class, um, or from a book or from, you know, reading through devotion or, uh, you know, the saints or a homily. I was taught, um, the Virgin Mary and who she was and what she means to me by my mother and my grandmother when I was very young. Uh, when I first started learning the rosary, I was four or five years old. When I uh, first started to relate to Mary as a saint in heaven who can pray for me and intercede for me, uh, you know, I was, you know, going through fifth and sixth grade. Mm-hmm. And it it made Mary very obviously my own mother, right. uh, which is the relationship that all Christians should have with Mary. Uh, and I was lucky enough to... Um, have been a child when I first learned that. Uh, and so this is where, this is kind of the, you know, the away kind of disadvantage that, that, um, that converts have a lot of times is they come in as an adult or as an older person. And when they first approach Mary, they approach Mary as a spiritual adult, mm-hmm. as a spiritual older person. And the challenge is really, you have to become a spiritual child in front of Mary. Uh, you have to go and be like, you are my mother, and uh, and I'm going to allow that relationship to take place and to take shape and to be obedient to you and to ask things from you. And it's kind of funny, even though, like, we are, you know, grown-ups who have grown-up things to do and jobs and, and people that rely on us, when it comes to our spirituality, when it comes to our faith, um, the virtue is to become more and more childlike um, or even more and more like an infant. Mm-hmm. Uh, the goal is complete reliance on God. And I think that complete reliance on the Virgin Mary is uh, almost a good training ground. If I can become a child in front of uh, the, uh, our mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary, um, I've learned a lot about becoming a child in front of God the Father. That's the real goal, right? Right. Is to is to let um, Christ's love teach us how to be a uh, a child in front of God the Father and be utterly reliant on Him the way an infant is, not just a kid. Uh, I made a joke. Sometimes I'm the teenage son of the Blessed Virgin Mary. <laughs> it's like, shut up, mom. <laughs> but <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Uh, when that's not the goal. The goal right. is not to be the teenage son of the Blessed Virgin Mary, but the small child, the infant. We're talking today talking today with Steve the Missionary. He's got a blog over on the Pathios Network called Time Off Purgatory. You can get to it over at pathios.com slash blogs slash Steve the Missionary. Uh, so, uh, you know, this is an interesting point because as I was uh, coming into the faith, and I'm still trying to really get a sense of who Mary is in my relationship, and I'm looking at uh, still come, overcoming some of those biases I had before I was Catholic— 
uh, and I uh-huh. trust the church and I, and I know that, that Mary is my mother and still sometimes I'm like, Ooh, I don't do that whole the consecration thing maybe. And so I, I've been trying to overcome some of that and spending some time really in prayer uh, in other than the rosary, some, some very different kinds of prayer to Mary, uh, to Mary the endure of knots and, and a number of others. But it's interesting as you talked about coming to see her as your mother when you were very young, I've got this concept of Mary, our mother, but I've been coming at it from this, from the perspective of uh, an adult relationship with a parent and, and really missing that, that you're talking about. So it's kind of like, uh, yeah, you know, you converts over there, you, you're like the adult adopted kids. You're the stepkids. And you know, we, we're the, <laughs> we're the real children over here. Is that, so is that what I hear you saying? Is that? <laughs> um, no, <laughs> Man, I wish, because it would make me feel so much more <laughs> frightful. That's right. always fun. Uh, what I'm saying is, um, I, actually compared to poverty, mm-hmm. uh, we're all supposed to have a, like, a spiritual poverty in front of God. Um, people who are physically poor don't have to learn that. Right. They, they already, they're already there. Um, people who are physically rich have to be taught that and have to train themselves into a spiritual poverty, usually involving giving away material goods. Um, so the same thing with spiritual childhood. Um, I was just lucky for my spiritual childhood and my physical childhood to be at the same time, um, especially in regards to Mary. Um, it's still possible for a convert to have a spiritual childhood in in front of Mary, but it takes a lot more effort. And so that's, that's what it is. It's it's, that's the difference. It's the heroic effort required by a convert. And I want it to happen. I'll help you. Uh, if that's what you're trying to do, uh, and it's completely possible. I've met plenty of people who are like that. Um, the, the, the professor at my university in charge of Mariology, whenever that class was offered, he was a convert hmm. and it was because he, one was really good at, um, studying the different, the slight, but completely true differences in theological approach between one country and another, which is really obvious with Mary. The way the French treat Mary is way different than the way the Mexicans treat Mary. Right. Um, but also because he was, he spent a long time learning um, how to be humble and small and childlike in front of in front of Mary, her mother, and in front of God. Mm-hmm. So that's the challenge. It's not I I I will remain better than you for life. <laughs> it's it's possible for you, but it's wicked difficult. And I'm yeah. here for you. So what you're saying then, as I hear you, is, hey, we ought to learn from one another and enrich one another's lives. Of both, course. Both the converts and, and the cradles, yes? Yeah, the converts and the cradles have um, a, a dialogue, a necessary dialogue coming mm-hmm. from where, where we're at. Um, I love listening to converts, especially because for them, a lot of times... Their um, their faith involves a lot of moments, right. specific times when they look and said, "Oh, then I knew God existed." Um, We're going to continue this conversation right after the break as we talk with Steve, the missionary. Uh, he's got a YouTube channel, a Pathios blog, and much more. We'll link to it over on our social media: Facebook.com/slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handles at Outside the Walls. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back right after this.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and the implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Today, we're talking about Mary. Uh, We're talking with Steve the Missionary, a friend of mine out in the Bay Area of California. He's got a great YouTube channel, youtube.com slash stevethemissionary. Uh, You can find him on Twitter at stevemissionary, Facebook, and uh, both Pathios as well at stevethemissionary. Uh, Steve, the missionary, glad to have you on, name protected, uh, to protect the, the innocent. Great to be here. Only innocent sometimes. Right. So you've got a, a Pathios, uh, blog called Time Off Purgatory. Yeah. And, uh, it's, mm-hmm. you've got a picture of, uh, what, Che Guevara and Mickey Mouse ears on the cover. So Correct. Tell us a little bit about where in the world did that come from? That, T- title uh, and picture. A- I'm going to make a video uh, about the picture. Uh, so you, you, your audience has the scoop before it actually happens. Oh, good. Um, yeah, good. So the title comes out of a, a brainstorming session with an old college roommate. What would I call my blog? And I kept a list, and the best one was Time Off Purgatory because um, it sounds holy, but it's also fiendishly sarcastic. It's uh, the more you read, you know, reading my blog or watching my videos is so painful that it will gain you penitent time off of purgatory. Um, the picture, <laughs> the picture is a piece of graffiti that I found in South America. Um, and which I, I loved the second, I thought it was hilarious first of all. Um, and I took a picture of it and it weirded my family out because, <laughs> um, um, my mom's side of the family is from Bolivia and she, uh, and so they, they, they were the kind of people that get killed during communist revolutions. Right. And I think I'm, I'm related by marriage to the guy that killed Che Guevara. Oh, wow. So, the kind of things that happen when your family's from Bolivia. And, um, but you know, this is Che with Mickey Mouse ears. And the best thing about it is you don't know who drew it. Mm-hmm. It's either someone, you know, this, this person who's tired of socialism and wants to make fun of Che Guevara. Right. Uh, so I'll just put Mickey Mouse ears on him because that's funny. Or it's someone who's, you know, like on three levels of irony, like, uh, I'm tired of the commodification of the symbology of Che Guevara. Mm-hmm. So I will put Mickey Mouse ears as a commentary on that. Um, either way, it's fascinating. And both ways are funny. Right. And, uh, but because you, you've never met the artist, you don't know what's going on. And I wanted, when, I, when um, Sam Rocha invited me to be on Tassios, uh, we were going over the design of the page, and I said, well, here's a piece of graffiti I really like because no one's sure if it's on, quote-unquote, their side. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to keep people on their toes. Uh, as much as I'm not a fan of Che Guevara, I do love Che Guevara and Mickey Mouse because it keeps everyone on their toes. They're not sure what to think. That means they have to listen a little bit more intently before they make up their mind. Uh, and that's that's been the goal of the of the videos the whole time. It's don't try to tribalize me. Mm-hmm. Uh, squint a little and listen more intently, and then make up your mind. And if you disagree, tell me. Uh, and if you agree, fun. Uh, because if, if the more we the, the more we look at each other and think more intently, uh, the better our religion will be. The better our irreligion will be. Even uh, so, I think that we can all benefit from a little bit of disorientation when we start, uh, mm-hmm. because that's an honest place to start. 
I don't know what you're saying because you haven't said it yet. Right. Uh, and, and that's where the chicken fire with Mickey Mouse ears came from. Now, this is an interesting concept to me because you're talking about divisiveness and, and spending a little bit more time in the conversation. And you have a YouTube channel, which is notorious for having the absolute worst comment boxes <laughs> on social media. Uh, talk to yeah. me about how that goes for you. Um, I've only had a few outright hate uh, comments. Um, most of the commenting on my videos actually happen on Facebook. Uh, people who watch it on Facebook and then comment there. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the weirdest things, though, is there's, there's this one account that takes the role of Jesus and then comments these huge, like, multi-paragraph comments and signs them, Your Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and they're so they're bizarre. They're like my my beloved son keeps doing this. You are so good and all this stuff. I'm like, stop pretending to be Jesus right. for a second and just tell me what you think of the video. You're supposed to reflect Jesus in your daily life, not pretend yeah. to be him. Not there's there's a fine there's Jesus. a fine line there. We're supposed to be <laughs> the hands and feet of Jesus and and carry yeah. out his kingdom here on earth, and yet uh, not not go around dressed up as him. Uh, and, and it's a fine line, but we, we all know when we've crossed it. Well, you know, actually, <laughs> honestly, uh, I would say that we know when someone else has crossed it, because generally if That's we've true. crossed that line, we've probably lost touch with uh, with that piece of reality that would help us discern exactly. it. So I want to – we're talking today with Steve the Missionary. Uh, Steve, I want to talk to you a little bit going back to Mary, because today uh -huh. is the Feast, the Memorial of Our Lady of the Rosary. And there at the yeah. end, you said, if you uh, are a convert, if you're a person who's trying to, you know, get through to that difficult place of becoming childlike, you said, you, Steve, are here to help. Uh -huh. So yes. let's talk about that a little bit. For someone like uh -huh. me who is a convert, uh, or maybe someone who's more recently a convert, or maybe someone who's still not yet a convert and struggling with this concept of Mary, mm. what does it look like? to develop a relationship with the mother of God in a, in a healthy and holistic way? Because I, you and I have both seen not only positive examples of people having a good relationship with Mary, but people who have maybe stepped over that line a little bit too far from, uh, from hyperdulia uh, of uh -huh. veneration into maybe a little bit of latria of that adoration. So what's a healthy way to start that relationship, maybe some practical steps and, and what it looked like in your own life. Huh. Uh, well, it's funny because as it's the feast of our lady, of the rosary, the rosary is a great place to start because all but the last couple mysteries of the rosary are direct Bible scenes. Mm -hmm. Um, and even the last couple mysteries of the rosary reflect, you know, things from, right. uh, the book of revelations. And so the idea is, go, uh, when you're praying the rosary, um, which is like, pretty easily explained on any pamphlet or website of, of the rosary, when you go through the rosary, instead of running and rattling through Hail Marys and Our Fathers, uh, go through and just look at the gospel, look at the Bible story, um, or any of these mysteries of the rosary through the eyes of Mary, or if you can't do that, Imagine yourself sitting next to Mary while they happen, mm -hmm. and and you get to see kind of her point of view, and you let her become your teacher. 
which is one of the primary roles of any parent and particularly mothers, uh, is they're the ones that, you know, they, they taught you how to use a spoon. Like my mom could taught basically everything. So, uh, why couldn't, um, our, our heavenly mother, uh, teach us about her own son who she raised. And that's a great first place because whether you have, let's say you are thinking about converting, but you have a lot of trouble with words like hyperdulia uh, and the the veneration of Mary. But the fact that Mary was around when Jesus was preaching is obvious. Right. Uh, and the fact that she was at the crucifixion is recorded. Mm-hmm. So that's an easy thing to pray. We can pray with Mary sitting at the foot of the cross. Uh, we can pray uh, with Mary watching Jesus carry the cross. So uh, if, if you don't know where to start, just start there. It's in the Bible, and there's a prayer to go along with it, and I'm just going to do this prayer with Mary and let her be the teacher in this prayer, not me. And obviously God is the teacher because he created all of us, you know, including Mary. Uh, and so through her, he's going to be working. That's a great way to start. Well, I think this is really interesting as well, because while Mary is present in all of those places, she's just by virtue of the fact that she is the, the biological mother of Jesus, if nothing else, she's going to have a much stronger reaction to all of these mysteries of the rosary than you and yeah. I would ever have. And so mm-hmm. to to look at that and, and allow, uh, just even if you're doing it in a, uh, in a, uh, a meditation kind of a way of what would, you know, putting ourselves in someone else's shoes, what would yeah. his mother think of the, uh, the crowning with thorns or the scourging at the pillar. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. man, that just completely changes the way that we meditate on those mysteries. Yeah, I think there's a an emotional impact of Scripture that a lot of us glance over because for various reasons. One of them is we don't trust over-emotional uh, Christianity because we've seen liars who manipulate emotion. Uh, but when I look at Mary you know, experiencing the crucifixion or Mary getting pulled by a prophet to her face that your, your heart will be pierced. Uh, These are, these are moments that you should sit with and allow to shake you. And because it brings you connection to these flesh and blood people known as Mary and this flesh and blood person known as Jesus, who was also God. Uh, the, the more I understand that emotional level, uh, the more I can understand what more of what God is doing. Uh, and you can, it's fun. I used to have a, a, prof- or a priest that would give homilies who was an, uh, a theater professor. He was an acting coach, an acting teacher. And so he would go through these homilies and give character breakdowns of Mary Magdalene, Jesus, Peter. He's like, so this is what they must have been thinking because this just happened and these are their motivations. And, and we'll go through the story. And I learned so much about um, how people are uh, and how God reacts, relates, and loves all the various ways that, that, that people love and, uh, and that people are. And Mary's a great starting point for that because uh, motherhood is so visceral. Yeah. And uh, our reactions to our own mother or our own motherhood, those of us who are mothers, is so uh, intense. It's a great starting point for that. We've been talking today with Steve, the missionary. We've got links over on our social media to all of his platforms. Take a look at his YouTube channel for sure. But go over to Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. Twitter the handles at Outside the Walls. And we'll be right back.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on our daily lives. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Today we've been having a conversation with a friend of mine, Steve the Missionary. You can find him over at Twitter at Steve Missionary, twitter.com at Steve Missionary, without the the, uh, but on Facebook, on uh, on YouTube, and on Patheos, on the Patheos blog network, you can find him at Steve the Missionary. Uh, lots of great stuff there. Uh, he's got a, a just a really fun YouTube channel. You want to go take a look at it. If you missed any part of that conversation or you want to share it with someone else, have no fear. This is archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Click on that episode archive link and find this and every other episode that we've done right there at your fingertips. You can subscribe to it on your podcast aggregator and never miss an episode. Come straight to your phone or other podcast listening device. Today we've been talking about Mary, as it is the memorial of Our Lady of the Rosary, talking a little bit about how the rosary can help us uh, as we meditate on Christ, and, and how interacting with Mary through the rosary, we can come to a deeper understanding of those mysteries. A great conversation. There's more to the conversation that is available to those people who support the work we do here on the show through Patreon. Uh, we get an extra content, extra segment that I had there, a couple of extra questions with Steve the Missionary, available to those people who uh, who give $5 a month uh, to the work that we do here. You can give as little as $2 a month and get all kinds of extra content. And not only that, you help, uh, help me put food on the table for my children, which is always appreciated. Uh, but I don't want to just take from you. I've got all kinds of things to give you as well. So I want you to go over to OutsideTheWalls.com click on the Patreon link, uh, support the show, and see what kinds of things I have to offer you and see if it's something you may be interested in. I'd be greatly appreciative of you to do that, specifically if you're someone who listens on a regular basis and likes what we do on the show. So again, become a patron, uh, support the work we do over at OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon support the show link, and see how you can get involved. So we talked earlier in the show about how the, the, the world just is pressing in on us with all of the calamity, and, and it's easy to get overwhelmed. <clears throat> and so today, I, I was looking for a specific scripture. We're going to jump out of order. We normally read a reading out of scripture that pertains to, uh, to out of the, the breviary or out of the lectionary for that day, uh, but we're, we're skipping uh, out of order. We're not even looking at the surrounding week. I want to spend some time looking at the scripture uh, specifically regarding being in the middle of calamity and calling to mind God's faithfulness. Because it, it is easy to be overwhelmed by the craziness of life, whether that be writ large on, on the global calamity scale that we've seen recently, or whether that be just in the personal uh, events of our life uh, and the craziness that we experience there. And in the book of Lamentations, we see that God has taken the people into exile, and and the author is just pouring out his heart and talking about how completely unfair life is and how difficult life is and how horrible everything is, and it's never going to get better. And it's it's a lamentation. It, it means to, to mourn or to weep. It's this book of mourning. And right in the middle, <clears throat> in Lamentations 3, there's this one tiny section where he starts talking about but God has been faithful before, and he'll do it again. And that, I think, is is important for us as we can get ourselves caught in the middle of being overwhelmed and anxious. This, I think, is the way out. 
This is the, the prescription for getting out of that, and it's to meditate on the good things that God has done. This is tying in as well to the rosary. It's the whole thing that we do in the rosary is meditating on the life of Christ, on the redeeming work of Christ that's reconciled us to God the Father. That's the whole purpose for it, is when we're in the middle of anxiety or in the middle of uh, interceding for the the pains and, and afflictions of someone else, we call to mind the good things God has done. So right here in Lamentations 3, starting at verse 21, <clears throat> actually, let's go back uh, to, to 20. Uh, he says, remembering it, the, the, the bad thing, over and over, my soul is downcast. But this I will call to mind, therefore I will hope. The Lord's acts of mercy are not exhausted. His compassion is not spent. They are renewed each morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, I tell myself. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who trust in him, to the one that seeks him. It is good to hope in silence for the Lord's deliverance. It is good for a person when young to bear the yoke to sit alone in silence when its weight lies heavy, to put one's mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope to offer one's cheek to be struck, to be filled with disgrace. For the Lord does not reject forever. Though he brings grief, he takes pity, according to the abundance of his mercy. He does not willingly afflict or bring grief to human beings. That someone tramples underfoot all the prisoners in the land or denies justice to anyone on the very sight of the Most High or subverts a person's lawsuit, does the Lord not see? Who speaks so that it comes to pass unless the Lord commands it? Is it not at the word of the Most High that both good and bad take place? What should the living complain about? About their sins. Let us search and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts as well as our hands toward God in heaven. That reading comes from the book of Lamentations out of the third chapter. And as we experience uh, the, the difficulties of life and we meditate, wait, God has been faithful before. Here are all the ways that he's been faithful, and he will be again. And so I seek after him with everything that I am. I, I quit uh, paying attention and fixing my eyes on, on the calamities of this world, and I turn my attention and I fix my eyes on the faithfulness of Christ, and I ask him for his direction and for his mercy. And so as we are experiencing the difficulties of life today on the, the Feast of the Rosary, I encourage you to take the time, even to today, to pull out your rosary and to meditate on today's mysteries, that the redeeming work of Christ in our life. Today's reading from church history comes from St. Bernard, and uh, it's specifically about meditating on the goodness of Christ, meditating on the mysteries of salvation. And he says, The child to be born of you will be called holy, the Son of God, the fountain of wisdom, the word of the Father on high. Through you, blessed virgin, this word will become flesh, so that even though, as he says, I am in the Father and the Father is in me, it is still true for him to say, I come forth from God and am here. In the beginning was the Word. The spring was gushing forth, yet still within himself. Indeed, the Word was with God, truly dwelling in inaccessible light. And the Lord said from the beginning, I think thoughts of peace and not of affliction. Yet your thought was locked within you, 
and whatever you thought we did not know, for who knew the mind of the Lord, or who was his counselor? And so the idea of peace came down to do the work of peace. The word was made flesh, and even now dwells among us. It is by faith that he dwells in our hearts, in our memory, our intellect, and penetrates even into our imagination. What concept could man have of God if he did not first fashion an image of him and in his heart? By nature, incomprehensible and inaccessible, he was invisible and unthinkable. But now, he wished to be understood, to be seen and thought of. But how, you ask, was this done? He lay in a manger and rested on a virgin's breast, preached on a mountain and spent the night in prayer. He hung on a cross, grew pale in death, and roamed free among the dead and ruled over those in hell. He rose again on the third day and showed the apostles the wounds of the nails, the signs of victory. And finally, in their presence, he ascended to the sanctuary of heaven. How can we not contemplate this story in truth, piety, and holiness? Whatever of all this I consider, it is God I am considering. In all this, he is my God. I have said it is wise to meditate on these truths. And I have thought it right to recall the abundant sweetness given by the fruits of this priestly root, and Mary, drawing abundantly from heaven, has caused this sweetness to overflow for us. That reading comes from a sermon by St. Bernard, and how important it is for us when we get uh, overwhelmed by even our own daily mundane tasks to take a break, to step back whether it be with a rosary in hand or with the Bible in hand, with the book of Psalms or, or the Gospels, and to recall the good things that God has done. To recall the goodness of God even in the midst of turmoil, right? To look uh, at the exiles and to look at God's long-term plan for those exiles, to see the redeeming work done through suffering even before Christ, and now magnified through Christ and his work on the cross as we experience our own exiles, as we experience our own pain and suffering and unite those sufferings to the suffering of Christ. Now, all of a sudden, we see the bigger picture. We're not caught in, in the, the mire of our immediate pain or immediate circumstance or even the immediate pain of uh, our nation. We can now look and say, okay, right now, today, I'm going to seek Christ because in seeking Christ, he is faithful and just to provide us the things that we need. He is faithful and just to guide us and protect us with his hand. He is faithful and has a proven track record throughout Scripture and throughout the lives of the saints to keep my best in mind and to draw me to a life of complete holiness, given completely over to God so that he can make me into a saint as well. That's all the time we have for this week. Today's show is brought to you by Ryan and Sarah Jepson and all the other folks who support us over on the Patreon network. Become a supporter as well over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Click that Patreon link. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.